What if there were no Christmas is the title of this message this morning. I don't... I, sometimes we can't put our finger on our emotions. I don't, I don't know why that... Every time I read this Christmas story... To, kind of gets to me. I guess it's because of the enormity of the event. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped, a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast hope of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. So this, was, this is the Christmas story recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. A story that I do believe is under attack today in America and around the world. And we ask as we watch the news and we see what's going on and we ask these questions. Goodwill toward men, peace on earth. What happened? Well, separation of church and state. Governments for years have tried to kick Christ out. They don't want no part of him in that whole arena of politics, and he needs to be there, actually. Here's an atheist sign outside the nativity scene in Florida. A Christian employee was fired in Panama City, Florida, because she refused to greet customers with a happy holiday instead of a Merry Christmas. A school in the Midwest was sued because they put up Christmas decorations and failed to include the Muslim holiday of Ramadan. They had to put up a special decoration for Ramadan. The airport in Seattle, a Christmas tree was displayed. They were sued by a man who won the right to display a menorah for the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, which these holidays need to be celebrated, but they have nothing to do with the birth of Christ, absolutely nothing. In 1967, a new holiday was created to be celebrated at Christmas time. Kwanzaa was created by a man named Ron Everett, who later changed his name to Dr. Karenga, and it was about African traditions. The situation in the Capitol building in West Virginia got so crazy, with people wanting to do away with Christmas, that a group wanted to put up a sign celebrating Festivus. If you remember the Seinfeld show, it was a made-up holiday. Festivus for the rest of us. That's what they would, that's, that was kind of their motto. <laughs> and you see... You see what, what's happening in our world, and it's been pecked away. The faith in Christ, our tradition, it's, it's been pecked away a little bit at a time, and if we allow that to keep going, there, 
I don't know if there'll be anything left. People talk about America being a Christian nation. I don't know if I buy that anymore. I wonder if many Americans really know what or who we are. There are some who want to do away with our very roots and our history to rewrite it. Some want to rewrite our Constitution and make this a nation of anything goes. A nation of no absolutes. A nation that, instead of operating under laws, operate under um, situational ethics. Some even want to do away with Christmas altogether. And please don't take me wrong. I don't mind people celebrating whatever they want to celebrate. It's the elimination of Christmas that bothers me the most. It's taking Jesus out of Christmas to declare it just a holiday for consumerism. What do you think life would be like without Christmas? If Christmas had never happened... There would be no winter family gathering. Nothing to look forward to as the days get shorter and the thermometers start to fall. No Christmas gifts, no holiday traditions, no Christmas carols, decorating, Christmas trees, Charlie Brown Christmas specials, no Grinch who stole Christmas, no Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life. Show that clip, Kim. I, I, I still love this show. Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George. George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George? Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... you remember that movie and that whole premise there that he wished he hadn't have been born and Clarence the Angel showed him what it would have been like if he hadn't been born actually well without Christmas that wouldn't there wouldn't probably wouldn't be a movie no if there's no Christmas children would have to go to school the entire month of December (laughs) without Christmas December 25th would just be another day I think I want you to realize this morning, and these are things that get left out a lot, and as we progress into our lives, we kind of forget them. If there never had been a Christmas, the world would be far different than it is today in ways that you could never imagine. For instance, when Jesus came, he taught his followers to love God, but also their neighbors, Luke 10, 27. To live out this idea, the followers invented the ideas of organized charity because true charity comes from God. It was the early Christian communities that stressed support for widows and orphans, the sick and disabled. 
They organized efforts to help those who were dying. In the, during the Black Plague in Europe, when millions were dying and people deserted the sick and dying, it was followers of Christ that stayed and ministered to them. You, you won't read that in history books, but that's exactly what happened. Followers of Christ built, staffed, and paid for hospitals. In recent times, Christ followers have founded virtually every charitable organization on earth, including the Red Cross, Salvation Army, World Relief, World Vision, Samaritan's Purse, Food for the Hungry, and Compassion International. And during hurricanes and floods and the fires in California, you better believe that the first ones on the, on the, on the spot or on the job, so to speak, at this crisis are these people. And many of you have gone and we've went and worked on Katrina and the hurricanes in the south, and you see all these faith-based organizations. They don't get a lot of press. Media kind of shies away from them because they don't want to give Christ any credit. That is the point. That, that, is, that is the way the enemy of this world works, and I think he's done a, done a pretty good job of it, actually. And if we as followers of Christ are in the spotlight, it's usually on a on a negative light, either a, a sexual misconduct or a misappropriation of funds or something in that area, it seems. Without the birth of Christ, education would be very different today. Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, and almost every one of the first 123 American colleges and universities were founded by followers of Christ. It's hard to imagine those schools now that teach evolution as strict fact and deny the very existence of God were started as Christian universities. If there never had been a Christmas, much of the good in the world would, would be missing. Much of the good that you experience would be missing. And I am sure uh, Diane just asked this the other day about a, a favorite Christmas memory. Do you have one? I'm sure we all do if we, if we think really hard. It might have been when we were small, and I, I have many, and I'm not going to go through that list, but there are some that, that surface to the top. I guess when I was talking to my wife, it was, a, it was a, the first year that, that uh, Josh was born on December 8th. It was that first Christmas with him, maybe. Of course, Stacy was about, what, four or five years old. I don't even, I just know my kids' birthdays. I don't know how old they are. When you ask me, I'll give them their birthdays, and you do the math. But uh, <laughs> I hate math, actually, but that's, that's how it works. In 19, it must have been 1956, maybe. Uh, kids my age, or a lot of kids, got electric trains for Christmas, and my dad got me a Lionel electric train, and he put it together and took over the transformer, and I never got to play with it till two days later. I remember that. That's one thing. I can, I can get off on tangents and chase rabbits pretty easy, but uh, nonetheless, that's, that's one of the things about being a parent. And when your kids are small, you can buy them toys that you like to play with. It's, just, it's a great concept, but then they grow up and on and on. Stacy and Steve lived with us for about six or eight months because they had mold in their house, and I had a great time with the toys, and when they left, they took the toys. They didn't leave any. So. Without Christmas... Those things would never have happened. None of our great Christmas memories would have happened. But without Christmas, something even worse wouldn't have happened. Christ would not have come. I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to think about that. The impact that his life and death and resurrection has had on, on just the likes of us. 
not, not counting all these people down through the centuries. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Here was a Creator there from the beginning of time, the one that everything was made for, and nothing was made without Him, the light of man. And he chose to come to earth as a fragile, vulnerable human. And we scratch our heads and we ask, why would such a sovereign being do that for us? What motive would he have to come and endure such scorn and ridicule? To go to the cross and suffer that intense pain and be rejected for, by the people who he died for? There's only one reason, really, that that surfaces for that. John 3, 16, a verse you see in ball games, every place else. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That is, that is why. It was purely his, the love of God that brought this baby to earth over 2,000 years ago. It was his desire that his creation hang out with him, that they worship him. We cannot, in these weak Finite minds understand God's love for us. It's incomprehensible. Anyone, much less our Creator, could love us that anyone, much less our Creator, could love us that much. Especially when mankind treats him the way that we do. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you tr <coughs> trust in him. Excuse me. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's great to watch children unwrap their gifts. I think that's one of the joys of Christmas. And then when you get old, you, you like to unwrap them, but if there's not the same, there's not the same passion behind it. Well, can you imagine that, that God has this great gift for all humans and many, many fail to open it? It's a one-of-a-kind gift. It's a gift that only followers of Christ understand after we're in it for a while. That he, he comes in and, and he gives us purpose in life and he gives us power to live it. He has an answer for every question if we so choose to follow that path. But there are many who leave the gift unopened. I can't imagine uh, my grandsons leaving any gifts unopened under the tree with their name on them. I'll guarantee you there won't be any there on December 26th. Luke 15, 7. 
I say to you that likewise there will be no more there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So here it is 2017. We are still able to celebrate the birth of our savior here in this country for now. We don't know the future. We don't have a clue. I believe that I am not a pessimist. I am not a doomsdayer. But some of the indications and the things that you sense, I, I do believe that, that it's not, probably not going to get easier for followers of Christ. Because I do believe that we will be asked to compromise the truths of God's word to accept things that are ungodly, unholy, in the name of tolerance. There's one thing that God is not tolerant of, and that is unrepentant sin in the believer's life. We must stand strong for God now more than ever. Be holy as he is holy, the scripture says. He knows when you've been bad or good, so as the song says, be good for goodness sake. But then we, many of us, back in the deep recesses of our minds say, but preacher, it's too hard. No matter how hard I try, I just can't control my temper. No matter how hard I try, I can't quit giving in to temptation. No matter how hard I try, when we go to the in-laws for holidays, I really don't like these people. That's not me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some people say it. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the question it's impossible for us to live as God wants us to live without the Holy Spirit and without involving him in our lives. 1 Peter 3:18. Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. For Christ also suffered once for sins, my sins, your sins, that he might bring us to God and make us alive in the Spirit. That is the purpose. We must have that Holy Spirit living within us, and we have to, to, to go to Him on a continuous basis, all right, all, all the time, to diminish our flesh on our old nature. It increases Christ in us. And here then we see the gift of God to the sinner and the gift of God to the believer in Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I ask you this question this morning, as you sit here in this place. Are you aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life 24-7? You breathe in, you breathe out. Are you sensing God in those breaths? Do you, do you understand that, that he is constantly around you? Do you talk to him? Do you listen to him? Do you obey him? Do you allow him to guide your life? I've said this a thousand times and I do repeat myself. There's a big white board in heaven with your name on it. And he's, and he's got your life pretty much mapped out. How he wants you to go. The blessings that he wants to pour on you. But you have to be obedient to do that. Do you allow God to guide your life? Do you allow him to defeat your old nature so you can live in Christ? Let's face it, we all face temptations, myself included. 
So a temptation comes. Here's my choice to give in to it. Go ahead and sin. Create this big mess. I ask forgiveness. He forgives me. Doesn't wipe the consequences out. I have to live with those. Or I can say, help me, Jesus, to fight this. And I can pray at that moment and expect the Holy Spirit to give me the power and the courage to overcome whatever that temptation that is that's hanging in front of me, whatever Satan, whatever apple that he dangles in front of my face. You can't believe in, the, in a daily activity or a daily course of the day how many times I say, help me, Jesus, and sometimes forgive me, Jesus, but most of the time it's, it's help me. Romans 8, 12 through 14. So, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Do you get that? You have no obligation. Nobody's going to make you do that. It's entirely up to you. So, dear brothers and sisters here at Crossroads, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you keep on following it, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I am sure glad this morning, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus did come to live among us and, and that Christmas did happen. He came to love us. He came to redeem us. He came to save us from ourselves. It's my first prayer in the morning. It might sound absurd to you. First prayer for me. Lord, save me from myself today because I know how evil Eddie can get without your guidance and direction. He came to offer us a, a life of abundant grace and joy-filled life here on earth, a life of great purpose and fulfillment. And then I said before, he gives us the hope that on that day, when God so chooses to stop our hearts, that we will be ushered into his presence to into glory. I think sometimes we... We talk about that as like it really doesn't exist, but I'll guarantee you that it does. And one of these days that you and I are going to be able to experience that. And I know we can't live in that basket in that moment forever because we live in this life and we have all these other things happen, but boy, what hope that is. And when we stand beside those caskets of people that we love, that we know that Christ was in their heart, you've got a guarantee that you're going to see them on the other side of the river. Praise God for that. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I thank you for these folks. And Father, we're thankful for Christmas, and we're thankful for families, and we get together, and we hang out, and we exchange gifts, and hopefully we offer up words of praise and adoration to you because, because of you it's possible. Father, may we never forget the reason that we gather, actually. And right now, Holy Spirit, as we pause in this place and as you have spoken to hearts, uh, may we respond. May we do what you've asked us to do. Maybe some of us need to ask for forgiveness for some sin that we've been packing around. Who knows? Maybe our heart has grown hard and calloused, or maybe our heart doesn't even know yet. Whatever that be, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you talk to these folks and they might obey you in their heart. And if somebody needs to accept Christ and wants to be shown how, Lord, this, they can come up front. And there's people here that loves them, which sure will be glad to do that or just to come up and pray. 
We give you praise and glory for who you are, Lord, for we ask it all in the name of Christ. Amen.